Amen. It's good to see you in the house of the Lord this evening. <clears throat> You're glad that we're made free through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right. If you would take your Bible and turn to Proverbs, the book of wisdom, Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs is referred to often as the book of wisdom. A lot of practical instruction in the book of Proverbs. And uh, written by, they say, the wisest men that ever lived. Sometimes I wonder. He has 700 wives. You know, you know that also means he had that many mother-in-laws. <laughs> but you know, despite that, there is a lot of wisdom in this book. But but here's here's an interesting fact. Did he always live by it? You know, I'm sure you've heard it said. The wisest man that ever lived failed God. And the strongest man that ever lived. Both yielded to the temptations of the devil. So who are we to think that we never will? That ought to be a good uh, warning to all of us. Especially young people, you think about that. We never get to the place where we have arrived. Uh, we are sus- just as susceptible to the wiles of the devil as anyone. I mean, uh, so, so tonight, uh, I'm going to look at verses, I'm going to read verses 1 through 12. I preach this message every couple of years because it's very vitally important. Probably, probably the subject tonight is probably the most important thing in your Christian life. And the and title of the message is How to Stay Right with God, but it has to do with you know, the Word of God and spending time in the Word of God. And, uh, of course, listening and preaching the Word of God, but also in the Word of God yourself. But Proverbs 3, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thy increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. So again, how to stay right with God. This may be a couple of weeks we may look at this. But anyway, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to open your word. We thank you, Father, for the word of God and the wisdom that we find therein written by men who uh, were fallible, yet directed by the Holy Spirit of God, who is infallible, so that we can have the uncorruptible Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever, uh, given to us through the the pens of men. So, Father, I pray that you help us tonight to 
uh, give serious consideration to the Word of God and, uh, and the importance and divide uh, of it in our everyday walk with the Lord. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as we think about the Bible, the Word of God, and, you know, as I said, it's written by the wisest man that ever lived. Of course, you know, he could not keep uh, all the instruction that he gave us. Um, shows us the the the, uh, the the heart of man. You know, Jer- Jeremiah seventeen nine says, "The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it?" But we see first of all that it, it, we, we know. We know first of all that it is an inspired book. As we think about the Word of God, it is a book unlike all other books. There's nothing else like it. It's in a class by itself. You know, the word Bible means the book. It is the book. Second uh, Timothy three sixteen says all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. That means it's God breathed. Peter tells us in Second Peter one twenty one, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So, so they were they they spake or they wrote as God directed them. And and so what you have then are the very words of God. These are the words of God given to us, to us through the instruments of human men. In fact, in in uh, uh, First Peter, chapter one, and verses twenty three to twenty five, First Peter one bears that out. <coughs> Excuse me. First Peter one twenty three to twenty five says, "Being born again." not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. So the, the, the Bible declares its words to be incorruptible. In other words, they can't be destroyed. They can't be, they will never decay. They, that means they will never change. So when people are saying, you know, they're coming out with these new versions and changing words and interpretations and meanings, that's not what God says about his word. It, it'll never change. And of course, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, doctrinal statements have say to the effect that they believe in the inspiration of, of the scriptures in the original autographs. Well, we don't have any originals. What we have are copies of originals, but we do have what was originally given in the Texas Receptus, the New Testament, the Masoretic text of the Old Testament. So it is incorruptible, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away. So, you know, the glory of man fades. Man is corruptible, but the word of the Lord endureth forever, and this is the word by which, which by the gospel is preached unto you. So the Bible is, a, is distinct. It's in a class all by itself. It's not just a, 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 an ordinary book. It's something that God has given to us. He's inspired it, and He's also preserved it, along with inspiration. You know, if 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 inspiration is true, it's it's only as good as the fact that the Word of God is preserved. Also, uh, in other words, it will abide forever. It will not change. You know, Matthew twenty four thirty five says, "Heaven and earth shall pass away, but My word shall not pass away." So. You know, we believe the scriptures were not only inspired, but they are preserved, uh, of course, for us in the text of Receptus and the Masoretic text of the Old Testament. Uh, 
And, of course, the King James Version is a translation from those texts. That's why we believe that this is the Bible in English, because it's come from the right text, what God originally gave. And so, so it is a, a class by itself. And we need to honor it. You know, I used to be kind of bothered when I was young and ignorant. Now I'm just old and ignorant. Uh, people used to say, well, you just worship that King James Bible. And that used to bother me. But that doesn't bother me anymore. I don't really, I don't, I don't worship the King James Bible, but I should honor it. Should, it should be uh, something that we highly treasure. You know, again, it's, it's not what was originally given. It's a translation. But we ought to worship the Word of God, for the Word of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Word. He's the living Word. He's the written Word. And, and so, uh, yes, yeah, it is, because it is a, it is the words of God. And of course, they are given to us for doctrine. You know, the, the Word of God teaches us what is right. Psalm 33 and verse 4 says, For the Word of the Lord is right, and all His works are done in truth. So everything that the Bible says is right. It's true. Psalm 119, verse 128. Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. So David said, you know, I esteem, I believe, I honor that everything that you say in the word is right. So when the world says, comes out with some idea that contradicts the word of God, we need to believe the Bible. Even if you can't explain it. By the way, that's where faith comes in. You know, it takes faith to believe in creation. Which, by the way, it takes a whole lot of faith to believe in evolution, too. It's a faith system. And there's a whole lot more facts much more evidence, observable evidence for creation than there is for evolution. You know, the things that we see now declare that there was a creator because nothing creates itself. There's no new things being created. I mean, there's new things being made out of things that are created or have been created or were created. But nothing new is being created. And so, you know, we need, to, we need to believe that everything that the Bible says, every precept that it says or speaks of, is right. You know, years ago, when evolution, evolution first started coming out, some in Christian circles came up with what they called the gap theory. Trying to explain, you know, evolution says that the earth is millions or billions of years old. And of course, creation says, you know, maybe 6,000 years old. So, so to make up for this big gap of time that these evolutionary scientists were promoting, some come up with the idea of gap theory that there's maybe billions of years between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. And they called it the gap theory. And, you know, and, taught that maybe that maybe what happened there was an original creation and then God destroyed that original creation when Satan fell and you know and there was probably dinosaurs back then and there isn't now <laughs> but the Bible declares there was dinosaurs in Job's day. Job talks about dinosaurs. Um, 
and there's lots of evidence that were that were there were dinosaurs uh, even up till uh, 13, 1400s. There were some dinosaurs on the Earth, and of course, you know, existed with man. They found fossil records and all that. But but anyway, this, this was trying to explain how the Earth could be millions of years old, and yet you know God created. Bible says in Exodus 20 that in six days God created the heavens and the earth and all that is in therein. See, we, we just need to stick with what the Bible says and not be deterred by what the world says. God, what God says about things is always right. It teaches us what is right. It is good for reproof. It tells us what is not right. Psalm 119, verse 9 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? Uh, you know, here in verse, uh, verse 4 it says, So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. You see, we need to just trust in the Lord that his way is right, and he will tell us where we are not right. We're not to be wise in our own eyes. Go to James chapter 1 for just a minute. <clears throat> James chapter 1. In uh, verse 21. James 1, 21. <coughs> Excuse me. Where it says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. The word filthiness there means defilement. We're to lay aside or lay apart from us any, any defilement and, and superfluity. The word superfluity has the idea of a residue from. In other words, the residue from our old man. We're to lay that aside. And then it says, superfluity of naughtiness. The word naughtiness is ill will. So we're to lay aside the residue of ill will from the old man, it says, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. So we're not to lean to our own understanding. We're to lay aside all this all this, the, the, the residue, you know, and that's a process. That's something we, we, have, we have to work at. We have to die daily to self. We have to continue to subject the, the, the old man and his ways to the new man, allow the Spirit of God to control us. But, you know, James is telling us, look, we need to work at laying aside all this filthiness and this, this residue from the old man, the old life, and put on the new man, which has created God after righteousness. And so, and then he says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. And so, you know, we have to work at laying aside this, this old, old nature uh, with its ill will, its rebellion against God and its bad attitudes. You know, you know, some people say, well, I have this idea. Well, nobody's telling me what to do. That's of the old man. We need to receive with meekness. Meekness is a, 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 a sensitive spirit that's one that's subjected himself to, to God. You know, Moses was the meekest man on the earth, the Bible says. And he, he constantly communed with God, got his direction from the Lord. 
you know, Joshua's man like unto him. And, and so, you know, that's the idea here. To be doers of the word, not hearers only. That's what we deceive our own selves. You know, being a hearer and not a doer is self-deception. And so we need to receive the reproof. What God says is not right. What God says is not right. We also need to receive the correction. He says in verse uh, uh, 11, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of us his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a son the father in whom he delighteth. You know, this book is given to us for correction. It's, it's, it's given to correct our ways. It's sort of like the, uh, the uh, test key. You know, where you were in school, uh, if you did ACE, you know, you went to the checking station, you got the test key, and you did, some of you maybe did that when you were in school, but, um, but you know, the test key, usually you had to hand in your paper to the teacher, and she, she tested, that was the test key, to, to, to see, to correct what was wrong. And so the Bible, the Word of God, will correct us. It gives us correction. And how to make things right gives us instruction, how to make things or how to keep things right. And so we need to be sensitive and submissive to the word of God. It is a book like no other. And so it's important that we spend time in the word of God. You know, there really isn't. There really isn't a reasonable excuse why we can't spend time in the word of God today. I mean, you might say, well, I don't have time just to sit down and read it, okay? Get out your phone. I mean, you can get out your phone and drive down the road. You can get out your phone and, and pull up a chapter of the Bible and have it play for you. You know, you'd be surprised. You know, I've read the Bible through quite a few times. But even sometimes when I'm listening to it and not reading it, sometimes I stop and say, wait a minute. Does that sound right? You know, something catches my attention that I haven't really noticed before. When I was going to Bible school, I drove 81 miles one way. And uh, that's part of how I learned my Greek alphabet. I put my Greek alphabet on cassette tape. I know that was years ago. But I put it on cassette tape and I would listen to it. So I learned how to pronounce my Greek alphabet. It's still Greek to me. But, but anyway, that helped me learn the Greek alphabet. It didn't help me a lot of other ways. But, but anyway, but then I... I then I also would put the Bible on a cassette, and so I listened to the Bible on a cassette. You know, help me stay awake too. But and and you know, there was I can remember quite a few times. You know, I, I remember one time I was driving up Phillipsburg Mountain, and it, it was in Matthew. It was Alexander had Alexander Scorbitt's cassette tapes, and I was thinking to myself, I don't remember that. You see, every time you read or listen to the Word of God, God can give you something. So there's no reasonable excuse for us not to read or listen to the Word of God. We have, we have ways of access that no generation before us has had. You know, just how many years ago? 400? 500 years ago? They wouldn't even have their individual copies of the Bible. But now we have it. And so... We need to spend time in this book. It is a, an instructional book. Notice verse 2. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. So it is an instructional book. It will give, give length of days and long life. 
and peace. You know, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's not a book just to be read. It's a book meant to be studied. Comparing scripture with scripture. You, know, you, can, you, can, you can read things over in the New Testament and it might bring something back to your mind that you've read over in the Old Testament. Well, there might be a cross-reference in your Bible. You know, it's good, it's good to look up those cross-references and learn to study the Bible. Look up meanings of words. The Bible is meant to be studied. There is much profit in study. Although, as Solomon said, much study is the weariness of the flesh. But it is profitable. So, we ought to study uh, the Scriptures, comparing Scripture with Scripture, and we ought to do that so we can learn the learn the Bible and the teachings of the Bible. You know, Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says, "Where there's no vision, the people perish." And and so we need to be students of the book. Uh, it'll give us confidence, length of days, and long life, and peace. It speaks of a confidence of of, of, of at rest. Shall they add to thee? You know, that's why it's important that we read. Whole Bible. Read the whole Bible. So we have an understanding. Romans 5 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us how to have peace with God. Of course, first of all, being saved. But even as a saved person, to have peace, we have to be living in fellowship with the Lord. Peace comes from being in fellowship with the Lord. Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust thee in the Lord Jehovah. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. So if we keep our minds focused on the Lord, you're learning and seeking wisdom from him, again, it will give us peace and confidence. In the Lord. So, to be confident. To be commended. We need to study to be commended. Notice verse 4. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. You know, Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature with, and in favor with God and man. And the Bible tells us here that if we study the Bible, make it, you know, hide it in our hearts, we're going to find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Now, why is that so? Well, the Word of God will make you a person that's kind, considerate, concerned, cares for others. That's meek. Uh, now, you, you, Peter Peter says, and I think it's First Peter four, who is he that will harm you if you if you be followers of that which is good? So if you're a person of the book, you're going to be a follower of that which is good. You're going to be known as a, a person that does good and not evil, that can be trusted. 
that tells the truth. So who is going to dislike you? Who would not like to have you do their, do, do, you know, come to your house, uh, when you're not home and, and work at your house? Uh, you know, if they, if they, if they want somebody they can trust, who would they go to? That's the kind of person they're going to look for. You know, people are always looking for, looking for friends that are trustworthy. And a, a Christian ought to be a person that is trustworthy. The Word of God makes a person that way. Honest, hardworking. And so, he says to be commended by God and man. By God and man. If we study, again, we study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So, uh, we also ought to study to be correct. In other words, to be right. Verse 3 says, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Now picture here, if you would put a, make a plate with mercy and truth wrote on it and put a string around your neck and tie it there. You know, that'd be like, remember the high priest had, had a plaque uh, embroidered on his coat with the with the, the twelve tribes of Israel, he also had some scripture verses on it, and those things represented the fact that he was the way to God. He was the high priest, and you know they would go to him to go to God. Well, if you or that if you are the person that has mercy and truth, uh, you know if that's emanating from your life. People are going to have confidence and assurance that they can go to you for someone that cares and somebody who will be honest with them. Now, it's not enough just to be honest. You need to be someone that has compassion with you. Yeah, that goes a long way. So, so he says, you know, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. You're bind them about thy neck. So you study the Word of God to be correct so that you can rightly apply the Word of God to everyday life. So when people have questions, they can find answers. They can find answers that make sense. The Bible is a logical book. And so we need to learn to rightly apply the Word of God to everyday life. You know, Jehoshaphat gave some of the best advice the king ever gave. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and, and uh, verse 20. You know, you could you could just remember 2020. Uh, 2 Chronicles 2020. Uh, is it 2020? No, it isn't 2020. Yes, it is. 2020. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And, you know, they're getting ready to go to, to battle against a very great company. And, and as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. 
So you need to believe in the Lord and you'll be established. That means to trust Him, have confidence in Him. And so you know, we need to study the Word of God. We can have confidence in the Word of God that what it says is right. You know, the world may contradict. And you might have to contradict the world. And the world may laugh at you, but sooner or later, sooner or later, the world's going to find out you're right after all. You know, sometimes I listen to things people say. You know, the latest thing that I've heard was that, uh, uh, and, you know, it, it's, there is a certain amount of, of truth to this, I suppose, that, you know, you can use liquor for a medication. But drinking it every day? I remember reading, uh, I think it was 50 years in Church of Rome. Of course, it's uh, written by a former Catholic priest. And, and he, was a, he was a moral man. Uh, he despised the hypocrisy of the Catholic Church. He actually uh, <clears throat> sent Illinois to start a colony for the Roman Catholic Church with the eventual uh, purpose of them taking over all the West and then taking over the United States through that. But anyway, he, he began to speak out against the drunkenness and the immorality of the priests in the Catholic Church. And so the Catholic Church itself tried to take him to court. And Abraham Lincoln was his lawyer. But, and, uh, but anyway, so he had, he, 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 then he left, eventually left the Catholic Church and started a church in Illinois. But he, then he spoke, later years he spoke on absence, you know, um, not absence. Um, anyway, against drinking alcohol. Anything to and and so the Catholic Church tried to uh, kill him on a few occasions, but he had a doctor in Canada one time and said, uh, I have an autopsy for an alcoholic. Would you like to go along? He said, yes, I would. And he said, that doctor did this autopsy. He said, everywhere in the body that that alcohol touched was inflamed. See, Alcohol, the body rejects it. It rejects it. And so, you know, we need to believe, you know, the, and the Bible is very strong against that. Uh, we need to accept what the Word of God says, not what the Word of the world says. The world has lots of ideas, and they try to make us fit into that mold. But we need to trust the Lord. You know, Romans 3, 3 and 4. Look at Romans chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. <laughs> Romans 3, 3 and 4, where it says, For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? So, if you don't believe the Bible, does that change the truth? No, it does not. God forbid, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. See, it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. It's still the truth. It's still the truth. And so we need to simply abide by the truth of the Word of God and, 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 and uh, obey His Word and put forth the truth of the Word of God. Uh, it is, it is, so it's, 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 it's an instructional book. It's also an invaluable book. Verses, verses 4 through 8 again, So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Verse 8. 
it shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Again, this is the most valuable or important book in the world. You know, the teaching and preaching of the Word of God is the most important part of a church service. You know, I love singing. I enjoy singing. Singing ministers to our souls. It can encourage our hearts. You know, sometimes if I'm a little bit discouraged, I'll just, I'll just, you know, I got, I got music on my phone, so I'll just pull it out and put on the, um, uh, the Ambassador Baptist College Quartet and listen to some hymn singing. Or, you know, some others I have. And it encourages me. But there's nothing like the preaching of the Word of God where we are taught and encouraged and challenged from the Word of God. You know, Hebrew, or 1 Thessalonians 5.20 says, Despise not, prophesy. And so uh, it is to have preeminence, and He is to have preeminence. The Word of God should have preeminence, for it, it changes us. It changes us. You know, it has the power to transform our lives like nothing else does. Psalm 19, verse 7 says, says uh, uh, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. So the Word of God has power to convert the soul. Uh, you know, music does not have the power to convert the soul. It's the Word of God. Romans ten seventeen says, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God can increase our faith. You know, the more time you read this book, and the more knowledge you gain of God, the greater faith you're going to have. If you have a will, to hear. It will increase your faith. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. You know, when I read over and over about, about uh, you know, uh, Gideon, the nobody, from the least tribe in Israel, and the least family in the least tribe of Israel, who's hiding from the Midianites trying to keep a little bit of the grain so he'd have some food to eat. And the Lord appears to him and says, Thou mighty man of valor. You know, he's like, who are you talking to? You can't be talking to me because I'm certainly not mighty here. I am hiding in a cave, you know, winning. No, God said, you're a mighty man of valor. See, and, and the Lord gave him power. Uh, you know, and, and read about Daniel and the lion's den and the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego through the fire. And, and you read about all these stories, real accounts of real people and how God delivered them, you pretty soon you're going to get the idea, hey, God could do that for me too. After all, they weren't perfect. I mean, Gideon wasn't perfect. He was far from it. He made an ephod. And the thing became an idol. You know, the, the exploits of Samson. Was Samson perfect? We kind of laugh at that. But yet God used him on occasions. And so, you know, if God can do that for them, he can do it for us. And so it changes us. It, 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 it has power. Uh, it will encourage us. Psalm 19, verse 8, the law of the Lord is a perfect converting the soul. The testimonies of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Get my place there. Uh, the statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. It brings rejoicing to the heart. Uh, you know, when when we read the Word of God and read of the the exploits of God's people and and how God worked on their behalf, 
It'll encourage us. You're looking around the world, you can get discouraged real fast. They spend about 15 minutes reading news clips. I get very discouraged. Because things look hopeless. But then you go to the Bible and you read about things that conditions that men lived under and how God worked mightily. You have hope. It can cheer you. It can give you encouragement. Even Jeremiah. Jeremiah 15 says that words are found and I eat them. They were the joy and rejoicing of my heart. So it cheers us. It challenges us. Uh, again, in uh, verses 9 and 10, it says, On the Lord of thy substance with the first fruits of all thy increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. So it challenges us to, to, to obey him, to, get, to honor him with, with our substances and, and our increase. Uh, and, it, and, of course, it challenges us to, to fear the Lord, to keep his judgments, that are true and righteous. Walk worthy to do right. Paul said in Ephesians 4, verse 1, I, therefore, the prisoners of the Lord, exhort uh, you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. So we're to walk worthy to do right. And it convicts us. It convicts us. Verse 11 of Psalm 119 says, Moreover by them is thy servant and in keeping of them, there is great reward. So it warns us. It puts in our minds. It, it exhorts us. It admonishes us. It puts in our minds. Look, walk. If you live in opposition to the word of God, it'll bring grief. The wages of sin is still death. But, if you obey the Lord, he says, there is great reward. Your God be debtor to no man. He does reward his people for their faithfulness. There is a great reward. In keeping of them, he says, there is great, great reward. <coughs> Excuse me. And so, it encourages us. It convicts us. It challenges us. You know, and there's nothing hid. It reminds us that there's nothing hid from the Word of God. If you notice, uh, in uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, it says, the, uh, well, the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. There's nothing hid from the eyes of God. He knows it all. He is the, his is the eye of omnipresence. His, of course, is the eye of omnipotence. Uh, he is. He knows all things. Psalm 11, verse 4 says, The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids try the children of men. So, we need to obey the Lord. We need to value his word. Psalm 94, 8-11 says, Understand ye brutish among the people, and ye fools, 
when will you be wise? He that planted the ear, shall we not hear? He that formed the eye, shall we not see? He that chastiseth the heathen, shall he not correct? He that teacheth man knowledge, shall he not know? The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, that they are. So, we need to highly esteem God's word. For all his precepts are right concerning all things. May we be people of the book. Spend time in the word of God that we might grow in the grace and knowledge of him and that our faith might increase. You know, it's going to require faith to be faithful to God as we near the Lord's return. There's going to be many that depart from the truth. And so we need to, we need to highly esteem and value his word.